Welcome to another edition of Trifecta Soccer Talk. I am your host, Tanner Rabello. We have a lot to get to today. It's been a while since I did a show. The last show we did was previewing United States Men's National Team taking on Mexico. So it's been a while, but we had a lot to get to. It's a quick housekeeping note. Going forward, the shows will release on Monday and Fridays every week. The Monday show will be recapping the previous weekend of matches. And then that Friday show is going to be previewing anything that occurred midweek in previewing the weekend's matches. So today we're going to be breaking down a couple different things. First, we're going to start off with the United States men's national team, which qualified for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. We're going to hear from U.S. men's national team head coach Greg Berhalter and Chelsea winger Christian Pulisic. Some cuts following their clinching of qualification from Costa Rica. In addition, we're going to hear two quotes from Evolution head coach and sporting director Bruce Arena and forward Jose Altador on the U.S.'s qualification for the World Cup. I just had a chance to address the team and um, just reflecting on these last seven months in particular and how much this team has grown together. Um, you know, being the youngest team in the world to qualify for the World Cup is no easy task. But what we saw was the resilience of the team, the strong mentality of the team, and absolute focus to reach our goals. So, all in all, we're really proud of the guys, really proud of the way they competed throughout these 14 games. Even tonight, I thought the attitude and the mindset was fantastic, going out there to win the game, not going on there to, to, to hang on. So, it, it's a proud moment for, for the team, proud moment for U.S. soccer, and we're looking forward to competing in the World Cup again. Um, you know, really, really excited to be qualified for the World Cup. Um, qualifying is a grind, and um, you know we we did it, and so the teams are very happy. Made a ton of progress. Um, I, I think there's a clear way that we we play. Um, we really improved defensively. We improved our pressing. Um, you know, overall, I think the team spirit is amazing. The mentality is really good, and I think when you're when you're working with a young team, um, you don't always see. Uh, progress that quickly and we certainly saw a ton of progress in these last I would say the last year in, in terms of the guys really um, understanding what it means to win at the international level when you think about Gold Cup Nations League and then qualifying for the World Cup with this with this young group so we're, we'll be ready we'll be ready for the World Cup excited to see what teams we will be facing and um, we'll prepare to to win uh, it's incredible um, especially Waiting five years since the last time around and um, just seeing this group grow. And uh, yeah, going to a World Cup, we're extremely proud. Um, I'm super happy. Uh, I mean, I've just always wanted to play in a World Cup since I was a kid. And uh, I'm just, we're all just thrilled, man. I'm super, super proud of these guys and super excited for, for what's to come. We, we've had communication, but, uh, uh, you know, Greg's his own man. He, he knows what he's doing. It's, it's great to see they, they qualified, so uh, job well done. Um, just so excited. Um, obviously, it's been a tough uh, last few years for anybody um, that's a fan of U.S. soccer, of the game in this country, to not see our national team performing on the world's biggest stage. So just a huge congratulations to the boys. I'm incredibly proud of them uh, and excited for them. Playing in a World Cup is a privilege. It's a fantastic privilege and one of the best joys they'll receive in their career. So just so big congrats to the team, to everybody involved, the staff, the players, and most importantly, the fans who have, you know, stayed fans of the program and stayed fans of the game in our country when there was a bit of a lull in terms of not competing in the world's biggest stage. So 
it's uh, it's an exciting period and uh, looking forward to, to, to watching the team continue to grow. For the United States, this was huge. This is big news for the men's to qualify for the World Cup after failing to qualify in the previous cycle. Um, this is also going to be possibly the last qualification cycle for the United States where they're going to have to play you know teams like Mexico um, on a regular basis because starting in the next qualification cycle they're going to participate in, which is not going to be 2026 because they already have an automatic qualification being a host country of the 2026 World Cup, which will be hosted in North America. So essentially, with the World Cup expanding its field of participants and CONCACAF doing so as well, you're going to have more teams qualify. Um, there'll be more pools to play into. And there's a chance that you're not going to see, you know, Mexico versus the United States at Azteca or even in the United States on a consistent basis going forward. So this is really a, a signal of an end of a very long stretch of qualifications for the World Cup in terms of just history and the history of failing to qualif- failing to win matches in Costa Rica or in the Aztec in Mexico. So it's good to see the U.S. get back on track. You know, this is a, a federation. This is a country that should be a part of every World Cup and the fact that they failed in 2018, you know, was an embarrassment, but I think this is a nice step to move on. And the fact that the average, average age of the roster is 24, and that Greg Berhalter you know, really has turned over the roster completely, and it has gone in this youth direction. And there really seems to be a plan in place for this World Cup, but also the 2026 World Cup when the United States is the host. And, you know, obviously the goal here was to qualify, and you can't really expect to win a World Cup in 2022, but this is a young team that between now and the fall, once they're actually playing in Qatar, you'll be a lot of chance for development out of players, especially players like Gio Reyna, and also players to get healthy like Weston McKinney and Sergino Dest. So there's a lot of potential for growth within this roster just between now and the World Cup, but also the growth that's going to occur between now and 2026. That average is 24. I don't expect it to get all the way to 28, but... You're talking about 2026 when you're going to have a bunch of players that are theoretically going to be in the prime of their career. Um, And then obviously there's going to be more players that come up that we don't even know about yet. And I think even for this World Cup in Qatar, you could see a player that comes out of nowhere. They're not even talking about as being part of this roster and they they could end up potentially contributing. So, you know, nothing is really off the table when it comes to um, the player pool. This weekend, there'll be a return to Major League Soccer action. The New England Revolution will be hosting... The New York Red Bulls at Gillette Stadium on Saturday. They'll be taking on New York. and This is a New York team that's played pretty well so far this year. As for the Revolution, they're coming to this match having lost two consecutive Major League Soccer games. So we're going to hear from Revolution Sporting Director and Head Coach Bruce Arena on the team coming back from the national break. Is it going to be different than the team that we saw heading into the break? And that was a team that not only lost two MLS games, but also lost against Pumas in Mexico to be eliminated from the CONCACAF Champions League. So we're going to hear from Bruce here and his thoughts on the team coming back after the international break. Yeah, I think we'll see a difference. We've had, uh, I think this is the hardest uh, preseason, early season uh, kind of schedule I've, I've had in my career. We have not been able to have any kind of rhythm. We, you know, as we mentioned previously, when we came back from a, a two-week Preseason in in California, we came back here to uh, uh, games being uh, uh, eliminated in the CCL, then bad weather, and we played 
games and snowstorms, then go to Mexico in altitude, then go to Charlotte. So it's been really difficult, and I, I give a lot, of, a lot of credit to the players. They've hung in there uh, in some really difficult and challenging times. Over the last you know, week and a half, we've been able to get settled in a little bit more, have had a little bit more success with weather here in Boston, but it still hasn't been perfect. We can't train on a regular basis outside, so uh, that continues to be a concern uh, in, in trying to you know, move the team forward. But I think we've made progress since last week, and hopefully we can play a good game against Red Bull on Saturday. One thing that's going to be a storyline heading into this match is player availability for the New England Revolution. Last match, they didn't have the ability to play Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa, Andrew Farrell, Henry Kessler, and Matt Turner. Those are all starting caliber players, and one of the best players at every single one of their positions throughout Major League Soccer. So those were key players for the Revs to miss. Outside of Buxall, all of those players are listed as questionable for this match. It's not expected that Matt, the Matt Turner will play. In fact, we actually got a Matt Turner update from Bruce Arena, so we're going to hear from Bruce on Matt's status. Uh, Matt's making progress. We'll probably be training in the next uh, week or two. Uh, and, uh, we have to wait and see if he's cleared by the doctors, but... He's making progress uh, regarding any signings. Once we, uh, you know, complete a trade or a transfer, you know, we will uh, be the first to get that information out. But, but as to date, we haven't finalized any moves. In that clip, you also heard Bruce Arena talk about that there's no news that the Revolution can have brought in another goalkeeper. There's been a rumor going around. Um, everyone knows Twitter at this point is a, is a cesspool of rumors. Um, this gained quite a bit of steam in terms of the revolution acquiring a goalkeeper. Bruce says that as of now, there's no move has been officialized, right? So that's not a shock, right? They could still be looking at players. and I'm sure they're looking at a whole host of players, but until they announce a move and it's not going to be official, it's just be a rumor. Another thing to watch out for against the New York Red Bulls in terms of the revolution is Jose Altador. Uh, Altador, you know, has played a couple of matches for the revolution He's still working back to that full match fitness. So we're going to hear from Bruce Arena on where Altador is and then also from Jose Altador himself on where he's at. Well, he's, he's, uh, he's making progress. You know, we know Josie's a very good player, and it's just going to take him a little bit of time. And uh, uh, you can see over the last couple of weeks things are getting better, and I, I think uh, by the end, end of April uh, Josie should be in pretty good form. So uh, uh, it's been a real positive looking to see the progress he's made over the last three or four weeks, and, you know, we look forward to, uh, you know, a, a good showing by Josie on Saturday as well as as we move forward, he can continue uh, to get better and get in better form. Um, I, thought I've, I thought I've been okay. Um, it's just about, for me, getting myself into a rhythm. Uh, coming in the preseason a bit later and, you know, uh, about a month later than everybody else, so you start behind, which isn't fun. And, you know, I've been playing catch-up, so to speak, and, and I'm still going to be like that, obviously, for a few, you know, probably a couple more weeks. But I feel great. I feel really good, excited. I'm so happy to get, you know, my first 90 minutes for the club and, and just looking forward. Uh, I'm feeling better and better every day, feeling more and more comfortable with the group. And I'm obviously thrilled to score my first goal. And, and, I, and I just feel like I'm settling in nicely with the club and, and, and the environment here. I think that's expected when you hear from Ozzy Altador in Bruce Arena in terms of it's still a work in progress. He's still working back into form. You know, Altador was out for a lot of last year with an injury and missed time with Toronto for other matters as well. That was more personal. Um, so I think the fact that he's not fully in form 
is not a surprise. They kind of knew that coming into camp, and you know he's making progress on it, and he's still able to be playing in matches for the Revolution. But in terms of Jose Altador getting into form, at that point, what does that form look like? Is it vintage Jose Altador? You know, is it MLS MVP type of player, or you know, is it just a serviceable, serviceable striker in his 30s? So you know, there's certainly a lot of questions as to what the peak is for Jose Altador at this point in his career. But I do think you've seen some really positive signs from him so far, and the fact that he's not fully in form, I think, is a good sign for the Revolution. The big question is in the summer window if they end up transferring out Adam Buxa, which I don't think it would be the right move for Adam Buxa if he wants to play for Poland in the World Cup. I could be wrong, but probably wouldn't be the right move. But you know, if that player does go to Europe, it could open up more playing time for either Jose Altador or for the Revolution to bring in another striker. And I think you know if you do open up that DP slot, you probably would end up bringing in another DP striker. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what Jose Altador can provide you because maybe bring in a DP midfielder um, or something along those natures rather than bringing in that DP striker. So especially the fact that Jose Altador is under contract for a couple of years too, that kind of, if he's able to provide top of MLS type striker quality, especially with his finishing, I think, you know, maybe you don't need to use that DP slot on a striker. The New York Red Bulls are an interesting team to me. You know, they, they're a competitive team. They've been competitive for a couple of years now. Last year, they just sneaked into the playoffs. They were the final spot in the Eastern Conference. They lost to the Philadelphia Union 1-0 at Subaru Park. Uh, but this is a talented team. You know, this is a team that has a lot of good veteran players, players like Aaron Long, who's working back into health after suffering Achilles injury last year. You also have Franny Amea, who is tied for the league lead in assists and tackles one. You have young players like Caden Clark. You also have Lewis Morgan, who's one of the top goal leaders in Major League Soccer after having a hat-trick against Toronto. Um, there's really no top-end DP talent on this New York Red Bull team. They do have one DP on their roster, um, but this isn't exactly a star, star-studded star top-end lineup. But you still have recognizable players like Aaron Long, and you have really good young players like a Caden Clark. Um, so this is a solid team. They're, they're coached well. They're... They're going to give a competitive battle, and it's going to be very difficult for the Revolution to win this game. But I think ultimately, if you're the Revolution, you lost two straight MLS matches, you're at home, you got to win this game, right? It's not the end of the world if you don't. It's not the end of the world if you get a draw. But I think from a confidence perspective, and I think from a fan perspective, and a media perspective, the Revolution have to win. You know, I would say this is one of those early must-win games for this team, and it's not must-win, do or die, but in terms of the narrative and showing that, hey, the early season we struggled because the schedule, the lack of preseason, or, you know, whatever have you, like Bruce Arena mentioned in an earlier quote, then get the win, and you can put that behind you and say, yes, that's what it was. But if you lose this after the international break, it's going to be difficult to sort of continue to spin that narrative. Now, I think the narrative of availability is certainly one that is probably the one that they should be pushing. Uh, you know, if you're going to not have Gustavo Bo or two of your starting center backs or, quite frankly, the best American goalkeeper in the game, that's problematic and it's tough to overcome those losses. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I I actually don't think you might see – I don't think you're going to see Henry Kessler. Um, I could be wrong. You're definitely not going to see Matt Turner. The, I think the real question is can, uh, can Andrew Farrell go and can Gustavo Bo go? Um, cause then at least you have your starting center back and, um, you have one of your key forwards up top taking the pressure off of Carlos Hill and Adam Buxa. And, and I think this is sort of a hot moment as well for Gustavo Bo. 
you know, in the time that he has played this year, he hasn't looked exactly great. Um, obviously, he is injured, is dealing with something. Um, but he just resigned with the teams on the wrong side of 30, and he's still a DP. So uh, if he does play, I'd really keep an eye on Gustavo Bo because if he's in goal-scoring form, there isn't a better goal scorer in Major League Soccer. Same goes for Adam Buxa. Um, but Buxa's played very well so far this year for the Revolution. So definitely a big game on Saturday for the New England Revolution. But there's also a big game on Sunday because on Sunday, New England Revolution 2 have their home opener in MLS Next Pro Action. They host Rochester, New York FC. This is the non-MLS affiliate team that is an MLS Next Pro. Rochester lost to St. Louis 2-0 last Friday. And that was actually a sold-out crowd in St. Louis. St. Louis is getting an MLS team next year, but their second team ended up starting this year. A little interesting, um, but kind of cool, actually. So for the Revs, too, this is the first match in its history that there's actually going to be home fans in the stands. Uh, There has been family and friends that have been in the stands for home matches last year, but this year they're actually selling tickets, so it's going to be a pretty big match. So we're going to hear from... Jake Rosansky, the captain of the team, on having fans back in the stands. It's going to be nice to be back in Gillette. We had kind of harsh conditions in New York this weekend, uh, this past weekend. Um, we're going to be on a nice big pitch, and hopefully, you know, some people will come out and watch us. And I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, you're playing a Rochester team that, you know, there's only one game of film on in MLS Next Pro. And Revolution 2 have never played this team. You know, there's not a whole lot of history, at least if you're playing a New York City FC two or a New York Red Bull side or an MLS affiliated side, you can at least talk to the major league scouts and say, what is this organization like to do? You've probably seen some of these young players either in the Academy or maybe in USL league one or other affiliates that they've had, or this general play style of the organization. But for Rochester, a little bit more difficult. So we're going to hear from Clint PA, the revs two head coach on sort of his scouting process into games and what they do before they go into a match against the team. Yeah, so we we you know we watch their games. We we do a good job of trying to size up every individual. Uh, my assistant coach is in charge of sort of the opponent scouting and does a fabulous job putting together a scouting report. Mark Marcelo Santos, and uh, I think it's vital. It helps shape kind of how we want to do things in the game, uh, where we find that we can uh, get at them in the attack, where we need to be worried about them as we defend, um, obviously set pieces, all, all of those things are important. So um, we always look at those anytime we're going to face an opponent, you know, we'll look at their last two, three games, depending on how much we have to look at. And certainly if we have played them in the past, we'd look at our previous game to kind of look what worked in that game, what didn't work. And as we move into this week, and it's Rochester, by the way, um, not Philly, but um yeah, they're a new team. My apologies, I've got two games. Sorry. <laughs> you're you're good. You're good. Um, they're a new group. They've only played one game. That's all we have to go off of. And so we've we've looked at that game to kind of give us a, an idea of what their intentions are on both sides of the ball. And uh, we certainly think that they're going to be a group that continues to progress. But but yeah, we certainly want to make sure we look at the film. That was some interesting stuff from Clint Pia. You don't usually get a peek behind the curtain when it comes to the New England Revolution, and maybe that's not what Bruce is doing with the first team. Um, but, you know, pretty sound approach, pretty self-explanatory from Clint Pia. You know, not, nothing groundbreaking in terms of the process, but all important stuff, um, especially watching film. 
Another thing about MLS Next Pro that's a little bit different, other than the shootouts, which has been talked out ad nauseum at this point, is the fact that the play style is a little bit different. You're able to see that against New York City FC too. If you watch that match, the matches were more. The match was more open. You know, there was more taking chances. You know, players willing to sort of get them behind and you know, really take shots. So there's plenty of chances offensively. And that is really counter to what USL League One had last year, and in fact, the previous two years. In USL League One, USL League One is a little older players, and generally the play style was more compact. It was more defensive-minded. It was you know get numbers behind the ball and sort of play that long ball. And interesting quote here from Jake Rosanansky, um, sort of on the difference in play styles from USL League One to MLS Next Pro. So we're gonna hear from Jake here. And I think the style of play is a lot different. Uh, we got the chance to play uh, NYCFC in the preseason as well. And you can just kind of tell the games are different. They're not how it was last year in League One, where you have teams with a lot older guys, more experienced, and, um, you know, they kind of sit back and defend and play the long ball. Uh, I think you can see from the game against NYCFC, it was 2-2. The game was open. There were a lot of chances. Um, And I think that's good for young players because it gives them, you know, a chance to develop, get on the ball, instead of playing, you know, a little bit more defensive and long ball style of play. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be good for us. A couple of players I'd keep my eye on if you're attending this match. I think one's going to be Damien Rivera. Um, Damien Rivera is obviously a homegrown player. He's on a first-team contract. This is his third year playing with Revs 2. You know, he signed a first-team deal in the fall of 2019, I believe. Um, and he, he took a, a stride forward last year, I thought, you know, watching him play. Uh, but, you know, Obviously, in that home in the season opener against New York City FC, he had two goals. Um, looked really, really good. So we're gonna hear from head coach Clint PA. He was actually coached Rivera the past three years and has really seen his development as a player. So here's a full quote from Clint. Yeah, his biggest thing really is being more engaged off the ball, um, both offensively and defensively. I think getting him to run in behind without the ball has been a big improvement that he's starting to really see. And then off the ball defensively being a little bit more aware of how to help cover and uh, win balls. And I think in the game this past weekend, he, you know, for our first goal, he was the guy who picked the ball off and was able to dribble straight to goal. So that's where he's made the biggest strides. He's, he's a talent and what he does well on the ball in one V one scenarios uh, we want to keep building upon, but uh, those two things, just engagement and awareness. Another player to keep an eye on is going to be goalkeeper, Jacob Jackson. He might not play in this game, um, you know, he may, we, we don't know obviously until we see the lineup, but Jacob Jackson had eight saves in his debut against New York city, including one really clutch save that ended up leading to the second equalizing goal there by Damien Rivera. Um, he looked really, really good. We're going to hear from head coach Clint PA on Jacob Jackson. What do you seen so far from him? He did very well. Um, uh, was clean. Any, anything that he had to hold and not give up a spill or rebound. Uh, he was very clean. I made a big save for us at one point in the game. So very happy with that. And I thought it, as it related to kind of us building out back and doing some things, he was he showed uh, a lot more patience uh, than the first time he was with us in terms of letting us open up, getting into our shape and, and making good decisions of where to start the, where to start the attack. Yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about when in relation to Revs 2 is really MLS Next Pro. And its streaming option, I think you know people have complained about it on Twitter. I've complained about it on Twitter. There's been articles written about it. Um, 
you know, and the fact is the, the product from a streaming perspective is very rough. You know, I had someone from MLS media, um, reply to me on my Twitter, um, sort of explaining that it's an AI that they're using and that, you know, it's going to get better theoretically. Um, they had some audio issues there too. It was really windy in New York, so it's tough to really judge that broadcast too much. But I, I think what you can sort of take out of it, and people have watched other games, that it's a little choppy. <clears throat> Essentially, you have uh, a camera that has a huge wide lens that sees the entire field. So it's a panoramic shot, and the AI will move within that panoramic to wherever the ball is moving, wherever the play is. So it'll follow the play and move from one end to the other theoretically so if you're make a save on your end of the field jacob jackson makes a save dishes the ball out to ben ravino ravino goes up through michelle and then you know pings in the damien rivera takes a shot it should track and move that automatically there's no camera operator um which is a big shift you know us league one had camera operators and you know most leagues are still operating with camera operators so this is an artificial intelligence um and it provided for a really choppy viewing experience. And, you know, the counterpoint is, okay, how is that useful for, like, scouts and things like that? Well, you know, there's raw footage where you can actually get the panoramic. Um, but the broadcast products, I would say, uh, rough. I'm not going to call it unwatchable because if you ever watched ESPN Plus's um, college soccer or lower tier soccer, you, you tend to see some pretty rough product. Um yeah, just something to keep an eye on. It's certainly different than US League One. I think it will get better with artificial intelligence. Theoretically, they'd build it so it gets smarter and smarter. I mean, there were some points of the match where it was pointing at the wrong end of the field, um, where the ball was in the, the final third, and it was pointing at the defensive third. Um, so you, you tend to miss some stuff, which is a little bit rough. So that's basically me saying if you live within the, you know, say 30 minutes of Gillette Stadium on Sunday and you have nothing better to do, come out to Gillette instead of watching the game on the streaming platform uh tickets are relatively inexpensive this is not sponsored by the way relatively inexpensive uh, these young players um a lot of academy players you know weren't support um and it's, and it's a fun place I, I thoroughly enjoyed covering the first match of the year it was a wide open game you now plenty of chances ended in a shootout um and quite frankly it was <laughs> the most enjoyable watching experience of any new England revolution soccer this year um what I think saying something. Maybe not something positive, but it's saying something. That's it here for Trifecta Soccer Talk. I've been your host, Tanner Rebello. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Tanner Rebello. Read all of my work at trifectanetworksports.com. The full preview of the Revolution match versus the Red Bulls up. The full recap of the United States men national teams up there. And the preview for Revs 2 is also on the website. And I'll have full coverage throughout the weekend on both matches, covering it live from Gillette. There'll be live blogs for both matches on the website, as well as recaps. This show will be back on Monday. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Rate the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, literally everywhere that you can get a podcast. This is available there. Thanks for watching and have a great weekend. Enjoy some great soccer.